The time is 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Boat Talk with Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is next. Well, yes, it really is boat talk. You you may be wondering what happened to uh, Lyle Lovett, and, and I had a boat. We we're having a, a permission issues, I guess, with them. They want uh, the company that controls the uh, the rights to that to that song have to uh, actually grant us permission, and I don't think they're going to do it for free. A little look inside the radio this morning. I just come in here. I'm still breathing hard. Uh, you know. Uh, skid marks out in the parking lot, and we didn't get a chance to talk about this in advance. But uh, here's the other idea. I understand there's a possibility that we could perform the piece. You and I could sing the theme song. Now, we're not going to do that this morning. Too late for that. <laughs> I'm just holding it out for Good a possibility <laughs> in the future. I practiced, and, uh, oh, you know, oh boy. if it takes that, that's what we'll do. But we're looking into the whole uh, theme music issue, and it comes down to apparently uh, we have full permission to use it as theme to broadcast over the radio here, no issue whatsoever. But these uh, things are being posted onto the World Wide Web, and they are available for other people to copy, and there is apparently the issue. And I've been reading up on it, and it gets way more confusing after that. So there's the uh, No Boat Talk proper theme music this morning, but here we are. Yeah, here we are. This is Boat Talk. It's the uh, nautical call-in show that you can pretty much count on to not stay the course. Mike and I are pretty much ready to uh, cut and run at most anything that comes our way, and that could be your your phone call, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight is the way you get into uh, the studio and get a hold of the rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague. Cotton runners, you got to be careful with that kind of talk nowadays, but that is a nautical expression to cut and run, to uh, go into a harbor, cut out. Somebody's uh, cut somebody's anchor cable and uh, run them out of the harbor, you know, a cutting out expedition. Oh, that's, traps. Yeah. that's like I say, nautical terminology, which is big in, in everyday life. And boat talk, one of the cool things we hope about boat talk is uh, some people who don't, so to speak, know nothing about boats can like it. And we try to explain our terms every once in a while. And, you know, uh, it is also a call in show, the number here uh, this morning. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Amy Brown's the engineer this morning. She takes people when they call. The light flashes, and uh, you know we just talk to them. Talk to you. We're going to dedicate this show. Yeah, um, I thought we'd dedicate this show uh, this this month's edition of Boat Talk to Gladys Butler, who uh, there was just a, a real uh, just the uh, piece in the paper when she passed on just touched me. And Gladys was born to uh, Southwest Harbor, Maine people, but born in Hawaii. Her folks were off working on the Dole plantations out in Hawaii. So she was raised, uh, born and raised in Hawaii, but, uh, you know, sort of, sort of MDI people just the same. In the mid-30s, her father died, and she found herself back in Southwest Harbor. She graduated from a Pematic school down there, and at 16, she attended Smith College, where she graduated with a uh, A.B. degree in philosophy, a member of the class of 1938. She met her late husband of 67 years, Farnham Butler, in the spring of her junior year of college when she came to his Mount Desert boatyard on Somme Sound to buy a small sailboat. 
Although the young boat builder really had nothing in her price range, she was determined to get to know the lovely young lady from Hawaii, and he found a little sloop which he promised to fix up for her. She named the little boat Pilikia, which means trouble in Hawaiian, and in 1938 she married the boat builder. In addition to becoming a lifelong sailor and first mate during 60 years of extensive cruising on the main coast, she helped her husband Farnham Butler at the Mount Desert Yacht Yard. They raised four kids, and uh, she developed a love of cooking, knitting, crochet. She was active, healthy uh, throughout her entire life. She was on the school board. She was one of the first women on the school board. She had a lot to do with the uh, founding of the Mount Desert Island High School down there. And uh, she had a love of music all her life. Gladys suffered from Alzheimer's in her uh, later years. And, you know, that's never easy for anybody. And I just want to just touch me, you know, how, uh, like I say, the old story of going down to the yacht yard and uh, falling in love with the boat builder. I talked to her daughter-in-law this morning, Jane Butler, John Butler's wife. Now, John Butler mm-hmm. yes. ran the uh, Mount Desert Yacht Yard, which is now the Morris Yard Northeast Harbor facility. And... Uh, Jane, it turns out, is from West Virginia. She don't know nothing about boats till she run into John Butler, and now she's a cruiser. They're off the day after tomorrow to the Bahamas, the Exumas. To, what is it about those boat builders, anyway? Uh, hey, it's the whole, uh, what was that it? looks. Message in a bottle, that uh, uh, the movie, Nicholas Sparks' book, okay, where, uh, you know, a pretty young woman's walking the docks and she runs into Kevin Costner, you know? <laughs> That's the whole thing right there. Yeah. There's a romance to the whole thing. That's all I'm saying. So we dedicate... This edition of Boat Talk to Gladys Butler, first mate. Farnham's wife. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Farnham's passed on, too. She and, went to uh, college when she was 16. She Graduated at, uh, yeah, went to college at 16. Exactly. Graduated at 20 and got married and started raising a family. And, you know, mm. apparently that's how they used to do it. <laughs> no, this is if, boat uh, talk, Mike. <laughs> yeah, if you have any thoughts on uh, that or anything, uh, you know, we contemplate naval uh, issues around here. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Now, there's always some uh, boat news. We like to talk about books and stuff, and I thought the uh, theme of this program uh, would be sort of dedicated to my kayak, which I just re-rescued. Oh, right. And, uh, I thought the theme of this music. Well, I'm we not could, sure rescued is quite the right well. Word we could yet. talk about not quite half rescued so far. We could talk about the, uh, you know, the range of of doing work between wham bam and quick and dirty, as they say in in the uh, boat world, to uh, working perfect. You know, and that's what we'll talk about. I hope this morning, but of course it uh, depends on who calls and what they're interested in. And speaking of the Mount Desert Island Yacht Yard, which was the uh, Butler Butler's boatyard for years down in the corner in Northeast Harbor there. Um, which is now the Morris Company is uh, using it as a satellite yard. Mm-hmm. And the Morris Company's in the news. They have out a new design, the Morris 52. It's a day sailor. A 52-foot day sailor. Yeah, it's an expensive day sailor. <laughs> I didn't get what it cost here, but it doesn't matter. You, you know, it's the old thing, if you have to ask yeah. sort of thing. Now, um, here's the genius to the the uh, marketing of this, and, and it sort of, to me, is sort of like the Hinkley... Uh, company with their jet boats. They got to be really popular, and everybody sort of had to have one. They weren't cheap, and uh, they're not for everybody, but they become uh, sort of a status item in a way, and they just flew out the door. Mm-hmm. The salesmen, hard to keep up with people. So the uh, Morris has a new line of boats. There's a 36, a 42, and now they're expanding that successful concept yeah. to 52. They're, you know, the day sailor thing is big, 
and it's just getting bigger. Well, it makes sense, really. A lot of the uh, high-end yachts are used by people who just fly from one place to another and have their boat delivered, and they use it for day sailing wherever they happen to be at at the time. As I said, a successful series for the Morris Company. They've built 38 36-foot day sailors. They've built six 42-foot day sailors, and they've shipped them from Hong Kong, J- uh, Hong Kong Japan, as far as Ireland. And uh, so they're around the world. So why not bring out a 52, uh, even bigger, more expensive one, and, and satisf- satisfy that market? That's, I mean, I think that's wonderful in so many ways. But here's, to me, also the genius of, the, of this uh, 36, 42, 52 Morris series that Sparkman and, and Stevens designed. When you look at those boats, uh, the first thing you notice of them is the, the rectangular cabin side windows. Some people have issues with the look of that. I, it's, you know, it's okay. It's, you know, especially the bigger they get, the better they look. But the genius of that boat is when you walk up to it at the dock, it is so clean. Everything, the lines, the uh, deck, there's no ropes right. running all around the deck. All those confusing ropes sailboats have. No permanent stanchions. Yeah, can't see any of them. Um, it's very clean and simple looking, which is attractive and possibly, I think, reassuring. Because they've hidden all the confusing-looking ropes. Mm-hmm. It looks like anybody could just jump on that and go, and that's, that's what they're set up for. The ropes are all still there. They hit them. Yeah, they're right below deck. They hit them under the deck, exactly. Yeah. It's still just as confusing. as It's a high-performance day sailor, no ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, but as I say, it's, uh, they're making them. They're going out the door just as fast as they can, keeping a bunch of people in down East Main busy, and you know, good for the Morris Company. Mm-hmm. So related to, uh, well, as I say, the butlers and the... Uh, we're related to the topic we've been talking about is just what, what about quality? You know, if we're, you know, are you buying a boat or are you buying something a little extra or something that, Morris, as you say, something that works perfect is, you know, if it doesn't look right, does it really work perfectly? Yeah. I like to say that things that are built well age well. Yep. That's true. Yeah, and I also like to say that if you shed water like a duck, you can be a, have a pretty happy life. And if you absorb water, you're going to die of, you know, a rotten old death. And that <laughs> that goes for buildings and boats, I guess, among other stuff. Well, uh, today is a good day for absorbing water. Yeah, it's raining like heck out there this morning. It's but it's warm. It's uh, November and it's warm and wet out there. We're doing boat talk this morning. Um, we're on. Community Radio, WERU-FM out of Blue Hill, Maine, 89.9, 102.9 out of Bangor, all that stuff. W's.WERU.org. Uh, there are uh, other ones posted up on the website. Now we have our own website. Yes, that's true. It's uh, not much yet, but we're about to no, it's, put some uh, more stuff into exactly, it. Exactly. Just starting off, and uh, yes, we need to pay attention to that. I resolved the other day, and we'll have to get a computer. Yeah, I mean, if you have your own website, you probably ought to have your own computer, right? I don't I've really seen want one Uncle Henry's for a fairly reasonable. Well, amount. somebody ought to give me one. I think because I don't want one. <laughs> uh, we can't say that. In radio. Uh, we're going to ramp up the boat talk website. That's the uh, that's the issue here that we're trying to communicate anyway. Yep. Besides all that uh, computer talk, we're on the radio this morning live, and uh, you know, or East Orland, Maine. The number here. Give us a call anytime. You know, it boggles my mind too. You say we're on computers and we're live too, but then. We have people who are listening to us later, so what we're saying now is also, it's it's boggling to me when now is really when you're saying something is happening now. You know. It is relative, for, but for a call-in radio show, you kind of need to be live to somebody, although I found that people do this on the web, too. What they do is they'll take calls in between the shows, and they'll archive them. 
and then they'll play them as if they're live. Uh-huh. See? So who knows? But we're live on the radio this morning, East Orland, Maine. And, and perhaps there's been somebody who actually has heard us first podcasting, you know, a recording, and then realized, oh, well, today's the day I can actually That has happened. <laughs> that has happened. And uh, Boat Talk is also downloadable on the iPod. I've never used uh, – I've seen one. I've touched one. I've, uh, somebody offered to give me one on a, on a watch one night offshore, but I didn't want to get it wet and ruin it, so mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't try it. But we can be downloadable on the iPod. And we had a call one morning from the Chicago Yacht Club here live on the air. And, and why wouldn't I'm thinking you want to – if you're riding the L in Chicago, why wouldn't you want to listen to Boat Talk on your iPod? <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. 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 So that's the whole idea. And the World Wide Web, who knows about all that? Again, the number here this morning, call, please. A live number. Please, anytime. 1-866-625-9378 is the number around here. Speaking of those, uh, the uh, marketing of the Morris Dayboat series there, Hinkley is coming out with a brand new one. And, oh, and we started to talk about yeah, that last Yeah, they may month. be hanging their hat on their new design. Now, the, the sales of the jet boat have tapered off a little bit, you know, and, the, and they come out with a larger and larger jet boat. Started with 36, ended up with, what, a 46, 48 or so? I'm not sure. Yeah, something 44, 44 or something, something around there. Uh, from 29 to 44. And uh, now they have designed a new boat called the T-38. And here's the, the thing about the new Hinkley. Mind you, it costs most of a million bucks. It has no beds. It's a, it's a day boat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a convertible. It has the world's largest 14-foot now convertible top and certainly the first one on a boat that will go 40-plus knots across the water. Uh, all computer hooked into the joystick system they have for driving their jet drives, um, specifically so it won't open at 40 knots. Um, you know, and this is their new uh, thing, and they have been tooling and tooling and tooling that and trying to get it just right so it looks good when the top is up and down. And it's, I guess, a low-slung thing, and we can't wait to see it. They had it down to the we'll Newport to, Boat Show. We'll have to put a picture of that on our website. Yeah, like now, that. just to finish the story, the phone's ringing here, and we'll go right to that. But the Hinkley Company just had a large layoff a little while ago. They laid off uh, what was what was said to be 60, up to 60-odd uh, boat builders there. Also, it is said that their upfront costs on this new convertible T-38 have been huge, have been really big. Really, really big, and they've been they've been uh, fussing with it. And it's said in the paper that their payback on this will be 36 boats sold at most of a million dollars each, no births, with, before they get paid back on that. And uh, wow! So anyway, yeah. uh, you know they they and their marketing plan is to sell one a month, so three year payback period on that. And they had to let people go a little while ago. You. You know, anybody listening down the Hinkley Company down there this morning? How's it going? One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Somebody standing by, and uh, apologize for making you wait. And welcome to Boat Talk. Hello, good morning. Good morning. This is Bill up in Dedham. Hi, Bill. I'm a fractured professional mariner by trade, but uh, my off time, I built a couple of canoes and kayaks and small stuff. I'm getting ready to build a Thomas Hill design, a little fifteen foot skiff called the Long Point, and it's all marine plywood. And my question is. The cost of a kumi plywood is extremely high compared to, like, A.B. fur. I've talked to the big coast guys and all. And this boat's going to have no bright work. It's going to be all painted, and it's not going to sit in the water. It's going to sit on a trailer, and just when I'm home, it'll get used, you know, on occasion. Now, is it worth going to the cost of the akumi, or am I just as well to build it with regular, you know, A.B. fur, marine plywood, and paint it up and keep her dry and, and keep her painted? I would go for the A.B. plywood myself. Are you going to paint it? Um 
actually, you, are you familiar with Luan plywood? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, we tried an experiment and uh, used uh, fur, regular fur. This was actually um, exterior glue. It wasn't even marine. Uh, fur plywood and Luan for uh, jack stand pads out over the winter. And the, the Luan started to delaminate de- much quicker than the uh, fur plywood. About immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, as, if you say you're going to keep it dry 99 percent of the time, I would I would go with the fur. Yeah, that's what I mean. With a good coat of paint, you know, you actually maybe even epoxy the yeah. outside. I would to... I would worry about uh, storing it outside and having it hold water. You know, catching right. catching water. Right. I believe I already advanced the maxim this morning that if you shed water like a duck, you'll live a long, happy life. I don't care hardly what you're made of, <laughs> what, what kind of feathers you got, you know. And if you absorb water bad, paint helps shed water. So yes, yeah, very very good. But, you know, in the corners, the butts, underneath stuff, that's where things get rotten. And that's where you have its attention to detail. Yeah. Right. Bill, what kind of professional mariner are you? I'm a captain on a 300-foot hopper dredge, unlimited tonnage captain. Yeah, captain. where's the hopper dredge work? Well, right now she's in Houma, Louisiana, in the yard. I'm fixing to fly out this afternoon, and uh, we do three weeks on, three weeks off. All hmm. right. And I must say, uh, or I must ask, uh, job satisfaction, uh, you know? Oh, it's great. You can't beat it. There's a, there's a ton of us in the you know, mid-coast main area, all main maritime guys that still live around here. You can't, can't swing a dead cat without hitting the captain or engineer. And, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and, uh, no, it's nice. You're gone for a little bit. You know, I'm gone for three weeks, but when I'm home, I'm home full-time. Which you know, that's, Work you on skiffs and canoes. Yep, exactly. Yep. Hey, that's great. We, that's a subject we like to talk about on Boat Talk is uh, the, the nature of the American professional maritime marine. Also, I'm so glad you called this morning, and we'll get to it, is uh, we're talking about this morning the nature of, of uh, quick and dirty or perfect and what's in between, and part of that's a material selection and then how you treat them. And uh, I, for instance, just slammed some Luan onto my kayak, and uh, it's already started to, de- to delaminate. But I haven't pulled the duct tape off the seams yet, and, uh, you know, I've uh, mistreated it, but we'll get to that, okay? And, and we do have somebody else waiting on the phone, Bill, and I'm in standby. Well, great. Thank you, gentlemen. Good yeah, morning, glad you called this morning. Thanks. Good morning. You're next on Boat Talk. Oh, thank you. I'm ready to head out this morning on a round-the-world cruise. What do you think? You going to cut and run? Uh, no, I'm not quite there yet. Sorry. <laughs> uh, which way, Are we headed I'm, east or west, and what kind of guys? vessel are we in? Well, you know, I'm looking at one is the reality of it, and I have a number of questions. It's a 74 Catalina. It's a shallow draft. It's, I think it draws... 4.5 feet. A Catalina, a, uh, like a Chevrolet of fiberglass sailboats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that, And right. 74 is the year it was built, not how many feet it is. <laughs> Usually in boats, uh, you know, uh, how, how big is this? Uh, it's 27. It's okay. got a, a wheel arrangement, aftermarket, a 9.9 hop Yamaha, roller furling. Yeah. 1.5 Genoa. You can sail that around the world, but honestly, it's probably not the best boat for the job. Oh, Just I being the, that. the size it is, the shallow draft is uh, not good really for the deep, deep ocean. Yeah. Uh, and a big, big old storm. And, uh, you know, but there's no reason you can't. Um, the good thing about something like a Catalina 27, uh, it is like a Chevy. Yep. Of, of, mm-hmm. of fiberglass sailboats. And there's a billion or half a billion or a quarter billion of them out there. And there'll be a website. Talking yep. about people who have cruised them around the world and, and fixed them up from, uh, you know, reef wrecks. To, I believe they have uh, balls of cord decks. Danger, danger. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. The stanchions are already shifty mm-hmm. and need to be worked on. That's and, the 
definitely the first thing to look at. And a lot of those boats, they did. They made cord decks. It's strong. It's light. Um, but again, it's a it's a great thing to do if you pay attention to detail. And in the Chevy. The attention to detail might not be all there, and what they didn't do was efficiently bed all the things that were screwed to that deck or take the core away right. from uh, solid places where, like Hinkley's, for instance, uh, or high-end places, uh, where a piece of hardware is, there's no core there. You remove it and put something solid in its place, certainly uh, soft stuff like balsa. Catalina, they skip that step. Um, so they get soft, they rot, and when you have a rotten balsa deck, uh, you know, that's not good. It has to be cut away? Yeah, there's several ways to fix that. And to me, the best way is, uh, I call it a deckectomy. You take a skill saw. It's pretty fun, really. <laughs> you, tell, you unscrew everything. You take a skill saw, run it around the tow rail, just along the inside, as far out as you can. Now you've cut the top skin free. Um, you know, pick it up. Toss it overboard. Look at what you got. <laughs> no, you don't. You save no, it. it. It's in the yard. Yeah, and uh, on one that we did, a Taiwan East boat, okay, it was, this was a big one too, uh, like a 54-foot uh, Tai Shing, I guess it was. Boat smelled bad. It had been leaking forever, teak deck. And we did. We run a, a, a skill saw all around the decks. What uh, depth? Oh, uh, just Catalina? enough to get through, uh, in this case, the teak deck and the, and the um, uh, fiberglass that was underneath of it. Yours doesn't have teak, does it? No, it's no. all plastic. It would just be would guess half an inch, inch uh, half an inch or a quarter of an inch, yeah. not, not much quarter. at all. Three-eighths. You know. Yeah, and run it around the waterways all the way around. Then your deck will peel right up. And in this case, on this boat, we peeled it up, and we were looking at shop scraps of Luan plywood left over from the wastebasket at the boatyard and, and like, hole saw cutouts from the drill press and stuff, sure. all stuck in Bondo randomly around the deck. Huge spaces in between, full of ugly black water, and, uh, you know, a drip, drip happening downstairs eventually when the boat would shift and stuff, and man. Grim. Um, yeah, it was grim. They didn't even, like I say, use a, a good core material, and uh, you should find balls in there. you got to remove it and then put something solid back in there is that what it. I would do. Right. You save the deck when you run it, run it around with a skill saw, throw it overboard, save it. Put it back on. Uh, glue it down with epoxy, you know, fill in the saw uh, kerf. And, and uh, you know, I would like, what I've also done is I've taken eastern white spruce. Grows right here on trees, right? Uh, you know, the real <laughs> local spruce. Real wood. Yeah. yeah. Who wants a teak deck? Hey, we don't grow teak here. Spruce deck. Why not? I mean, I'm sorry. A, a cedar deck. Okay. You okay. Then I've, put, deck that's then I've put a cedar deck over. The uh, piece of the fiberglass deck we've cut out to cover, you know, cover it up. Um, it uh, covers up the cut you made. Still leave a waterway. The cedar wears good on your porch, doesn't it? It'll be fine. It'll be fine, exactly. It's not it's a, a fancy boat. It's very I'm, attractive. I'm looking for dysfunction. But it's yeah, very attractive. You know, any it's any local. sort of upgrades like that are perfect. You know, that's, I've had it inspected by somebody who actually does know something about yachts. Yeah. I've sailed on a Shannon... 43-foot catch in Belize, and that's about the extent of my yachtsmanship. I've sailed other small boats. But Why? Hey, let's, here you let's go. get right to it. <laughs> Why do we want to sail around the world in a Catalina 27? Oh, you know, I'm pretty bored. I've skied all over the world, climbed some of the highest mountains. and that's You know, that's neither here nor there. But No, I no, wait, man. I took, I took a rock climber on a delivery one time. Uh, we were headed to the uh, U.S. Virgin Islands. We sort of got shipwrecked this side of Bermuda. Oh, boy. And uh, I actually... Uh, um, 
put somebody back to take this kid because I liked his attitude. He was looking for the edge. He was always looking for the edge, right? You got it. He found it. That and more. He, and more because he crawled into his bunk. And uh, in my experience, uh, I've been in two really good storms, and in both storms, half the crew quit. Says, I can't do this. Crawling in my bunk, I'm going to die. See you later. You can get beat up out there and well, count on it, right? Good luck looking for your edge, man. Yep. That's all well, I'm saying. I'm still, I have some more serious questions. In yes. fact, there's, there's a problem. We inspected. This man really knows yachts, like I said. And there's, you know, it's not anything fancy, as you know. And the mild steel keel boats are showing corrosion. You know, overall, we looked at the dead wood and you know everything looks okay he said you know go ahead look at what you have consider how much work you have to do but like these bolts he figured might be good for another 10 years and so you know he talked about the difficulty of tapping into lead to add steel bolts major problem right not yes and no it Uh takes a certain expertise there's big ways to get in trouble but people do it all the time it is and possible. if you outsmart it, it's easily possible. Yeah, it pays to be smarter than it Yeah, is. and again, you don't need to reinvent uh, redoing keel bolts. Uh, people have already figured out, uh, you know, about the only efficient ways to do that, and you can read up on it. Um, we, we won't get into that this morning because that's not a, thank God, big place of my expertise. I've worked on two keel boat <laughs> jobs, and yeah. thank you very much. Morning. Is there a place you would go to for that? I mean, is there a professional um, locally? The West System people are great with their okay. uh, how to fix boat things. They're yep. they're they're big on keel bolts because they like to epoxy them into everything. Right. Um, a professional boat builder, for instance, ha- and Wooden Boat Magazine have had replace uh, keel replacing stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, My experience is when you're drilling into lead, you have to be very careful because the drill will tend to uh, grabs grab and in and yeah. break itself off. Yeah. Right. So you have to uh, sort of uh, give it a um, little bit zero relief. Yeah, I'd zero let relief. somebody else do that. Now, here's another problem. I don't understand. My friend looked at it, and there appears to be rotting plywood going from the bilge directly forward underneath what would support the mast. And mm. I don't quite understand how that's all put together well, or why that- they would use plywood. Well, because underneath the where the mast goes, and it, as the mast stepped down in the boat, not on top of the deck. No, it stepped on top, and it appears like on the deck lumber. You know, there's a compression figured post. There was wood support. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's part of the cabin, and I don't know if there's metal inside the wood. You know, there's like a it'd be like a four by four. Yeah, here's and what I learned uh, a long time ago sailing, but I. I uh, learned it's so graphically ice boating um when the wind comes upon a sail and you're going into the wind the force down on a mast is tremendous right okay and uh when you step it on top of a cabin top uh, it's not the best thing they put them on top of the keel it's the most solid part so a cabin step mast generally have a post down inside or a bulkhead right under it and it still has to transfer the weight to the keel so any structure of wood down there Besides the fiberglass, that's what it's about. It's about spreading out the load. They used plywood. It may or may not have been good plywood. It doesn't matter. It's not good anymore, mm-hmm. and it's got to go. Well, the surface of it is rotten, and it appears like, you know, if you drilled forward, you might run into fiberglass and metal. And yeah. the other thing is there is a bulkhead, as you described, and it is possible the wood is just covering 
something like metal. Check the bottom of the, the bo- road down yep. towards the keel, and it would be you know integral to the bulkhead. That's very possible. That's how it's built. Like we didn't really go into that. We only had so much time to deal with. It's as far a, as it's manuals crit- for sailing, do you recommend the Annapolis Manual of Seamanship? Oh, absolutely. I uh, What have I got on my uh, bed table all the time? The uh, Chapman's. Uh, Chapman's is good, too. Chapman's yeah. is, the to me, that's the Bible. Right. There's everything in there, depending on, you know, uh, even how many propellers you got and which way to turn the wheel when you come to the dock, you know. Yeah. Um, they got everything in there. I'd, I'd say Chapman's. I'm not. Uh, Annapolis is good. The North Sailing books are great. They're in a lot of yachts that I deliver that have North Sails. They have a great uh, sailing course. Um, I wanted to go back to your main bulkhead, though. Um, I'm sorry for trying to nope, interrupt you no before, problem. but the uh, it's, structu- it's structural, man, and if it's rotten, it's got to go. You need to check the bottom of the bulkhead there. Uh, you have a fiberglass open shell there, and then they drop bulkheads down into it, and they glass it on. They should seal the bottom of the bulkhead before they do that, and it should be the finest bulkhead material. Um, but maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe it's wet and rotten. Um, plywood doesn't stick uh, and fiberglass don't stick good together anyway so bulkhead tabs often come loose that's the structure of your boat there holding up the uh, the important mast and here's your nightmare um, and it happens to people you get in a storm and bulkhead pops loose bulkheads pop free they oh, yeah. shift as the hull as the hull will shift its shape a fiberglass hull is not that solid of an object Particularly and, on this boat. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a light boat like that, you could pop a bulkhead easily. You pop that bulkhead in a storm out in the southern ocean um, in your Catalina 27, and it will, it will have been good to talk to you. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we break. do wish you the best, but, both man, you've got to have that right together. It yeah. ain't that big of a boat, so you've got enough, uh, you know, uh, should have enough uh, room to pay attention to all those big details. Yeah, I ones. understand, you know, boats should be surveyed and all that happy stuff as well. I well, got how about, ca- like, inexpensive navigation systems for such a thing? Would you recommend something particularly? Well, you can start with a sextant, the, you can, a plastic sextant at the, at the yard sale. Mm-hmm. That's worked forever. Um, you know, and then from a handheld GPS right up to uh, color machine laptops, which are, you know, are going to, ma- you, you couldn't support the electric, electricity that would demand on your... Uh, um, That's the problem, yeah, yeah without a huge upgrade. Uh, batteries and everything. Right. Uh, redundant yep. systems. Uh, yep. Take an EPIRB, have a, a handheld or two. I would Redundancy take two is good. Yeah. Um, you know, a handheld, uh, uh, like I say, GPS, when, you ha- when everything crashes, you get it out of the bag, scramble for the batteries, and it saved our ass a couple of times, I'll tell you that. I understand what you're saying. Do you recommend radar? Oh, man. If. Um, for years on a yacht that I delivered, uh, the boss had the newest computer system, but he used his laptop. Now, I didn't have a laptop, and he dragged that back and forth with him. He kept shipping it to me, but that was too much to bother. And finally, he said to me one day when I called him up, said, geez, Jerry, it's so foggy, I don't even think we can find the boat. It's been foggy for a month. You probably don't want to go. I don't want to go. Uh-huh. And he goes, well, you don't need that fancy stuff anyway, Mike. You can just get there by, oh, well, I don't know how you do it. But, <laughs> and I went, oh, God, he thinks I'm good at this. So, so uh, the, re- the way we navigated in that boat, we had a cockpit radar. We had two radar systems. A lot on a sailboat, your radar, turns out it's downstairs. The screen is downstairs. You're upstairs. 
That's not good for, you know, paying attention to it. This boat had a small Furuno right in the cockpit. That's mm-hmm. how I navigated the coast of Maine for years, just by that radar. Right. Yes, I like a radar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how about good. steering vanes? I don't have – I've only had a little experience, and uh, I've had uh, some frustrating time playing with them on deliveries. But, again, my experience is not good with those. Um, uh, like I say, uh, my, most of my experience is with a big old you gotta, autopilots, and he's the most he's gotta, the most important person on the boat. Autopilot, yes. whether he's uh, you know S vane or or uh, you know auto, as well, we like to call him. Yeah. What's that? Whether it's it's your steering vane or your buddy auto, as we like to call him, who's got the watch? Auto steering is what we like to say. Most important guy on the boat. Auto is, is there a particular brand, or can you even do that on this show? Do you recommend uh, you know, products? Most of the boats I I come I, I deliver a lot of yachts. Auto helm is what you see most of the time, but they're okay. not. You know, there's lots of them out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, you want to get the best one you What's can get. Woody, I understand. Hey, Wood Freeman. Wood Freeman is it? Yeah, Wood they're, Freeman they're, Autopilots. I've used those, those too. Good. How's that? What's uh, the name? Wood Freeman is okay. another brand. Yeah. Um, again, uh, Practical Sailor. They review all these things. Uh, you need to get in touch with Practical Sailor. I'm sure they have a website. dot com. dot okay. org. And uh, their business is like, they're the nautical uh, consumer, consumer reports. reports. Yeah, exactly okay. what they do. And what you, uh, uh, you know, asking questions and seeking expertise is uh, hopefully will get you through the Southern Ocean. What's your name? Who are we speaking to? What's your name? Oh. Town, anyway. Say again? I'm up in Steven. All right, okay. man. Yeah. Thanks for all your advice, guys. Well, yeah. Thank you and good luck. Yeah. Keep Appreciate in touch. It. And it is a good idea to call somebody. I got a call a little while ago from a uh, fellow who wants to take his family sailing and asked me to go look at a boat uh, for him, which I'm just about to do. And, and you know, you want, to, you want to know what you're getting into if your expertise does not uh, cover the subject. Yeah. So the phone's yeah. ringing again. What, one simple last question. What boat would you recommend in that size for any sort of transatlantic or that sort of operation. Is there one in particular or any to look for? Boy, a real small one. I'd, you know, I'd take a, uh, a good little wooden boat with a full keel. I like a, uh, I, I call it the bondage mast, your, uh, your mizzen mast, whether it be a yawl or a catch or a schooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tie yourself to it when it gets bad. And I'm telling you what, it comes to that sometimes. And why? Because it floats? Is that why? No, it because you're standing next to the wheel, and I've I've been tied to the mizzen mast before. It's a good thing to lean on in a bad yeah. storm, you know. Plus, it gives like you it? so many different combinations of sail, breaks the sail up into uh, yeah. more different pieces, right. which can be good too if you're sailing around the world. Why um, do you prefer wood? Um, to me, uh, partly aesthetic. They're partly uh, the good thing about a wooden boat is they they absorb vibration. There is a livability thing to a yep. wooden boat. Uh, talk to a fisherman. I can, t- I can tell you one down in Millbridge. He had the last uh, wooden uh, lobster boat, Osmond Beale, down to uh, Jones, Jonesport there made. And uh, didn't want to keep up with it, so he passed it on, and, and uh, I fixed it up for a boatyard felon. That other one would make him tired, make his knees shake. And, and as I said, Harvey, it's like working inside of a drum all day. And that fiberglass boat, gel coat inside and out, clean it with a hose, beautiful thing. But that engine just reverberates inside that all plywood shell, uh, plywood and glass shell all day, and, and uh, it's like working in a drum. There's a yep. livability issue to, to a wooden boat, as well as uh, it's fixable no matter what beach 
you go up on. Well, Excellent, guys. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Good luck. And we do go on. Is the phone, was the phone ringing, in fact? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. We have another okay. one already. We haven't even got to our real subject this morning, but that does not matter. So yeah, well, sure, let's get the number again, too, before you answer that. Yes. Okay. The number one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Yeah, good morning. Uh, Nicomas Nelson from Islesboro calling. Oh, morning, Nicomas. How are you? Oh, not too bad. How are you all doing? Good. I read about you a little while ago. What was it Uh-oh. in relation to? Oh, I don't know. I've, I've had some bit in points east there a couple of covers this summer and that was I, it yeah yeah okay so you know just uh you know spend spend the better part of my time sailing around here here there and everywhere but i had a, a couple of comments maybe if that that gentleman that was just speaking was still listening um you know he ought to when if whatever boat you end up with if, if you're out there listening you, you know i think can't stress enough to take it and, and to learn to heave too and to tow something off the some warps off the back of it and see what it does and and buy a sea anchor and buy a life raft and you know more than any electric gadget you know figure out how to how to handle yourself when 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 you don't have anything you know electric working and I think that that would be pretty important and and a boat that I might have recommended to him would be a little Nordic folk boat people have been all around in those and and that would certainly fit the bill. Mm-hmm. That's great advice, Nicomas. One of my things is to practice with these things like your sea anchor before it gets really terrible or your radar when it's not foggy. My thing was on sunny days, fire that radar up. Let's practice foggy day because we we can see. Okay? What's it look like when you can see? You should practice these things in good conditions all the time and get experience as easily as possible. I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, just the the basic... Basic sail handling and, and reefing, you know, if, if you wait till it's blowing a gale to put that third reef in a sail and all of a sudden you realize something's not quite right, you know, you've got problems. Mm-hmm. So you you got you to gotta learn and learn how the boat behaves, learn how it, you know, sits to the wind under bare poles and learn, you know, figure out what you need for, for, for a jib and a main to make it heave too properly. And, yeah, I, I think that's the most important important part to going offshore is, is to, you know, preparing yourself when before you are offshore. Great advice. Heaving, too, is such a, a little practiced art nowadays. Let's imagine we're out in a storm, and we're trying to reef the sail down, and, and we're pointed up into the wind, okay? we got a big sea running. It's crashing over the deck. People are up there struggling, uh, yelling at each other. The thing's flogging. You're trying to grab it. It's noisy as hell. It's It's confusing. And then, Let's back the jib and fall off a little bit. So now we have the jib uh, on one side of the boat and the, and the reef mains on the other. So we have a slot that the wind is coming down in between those two sails. The boat falls off the wind a little bit at an angle. It gets really quiet. Yeah, well, the boat makes its own <laughs> slick, you know. As, it, as it's making a knot or something, a leeway, you know, it, 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 where it's sliding through the water is, is, is sort of keeping the waves, you know, the change of the surface tension, a little of the water where the waves are coming at you, and it keeps them from breaking as deeply. And, hmm. you know, I guess the you know, old-timers would have put oil bags out about that time, too. Yeah. And it's amazing, you know, what when you look at a, a, some, somebody spilled a little diesel and the water's a little rough, it, even what, what that does to the, to the surface of the water, how much of a slick it'll make. Mm-hmm. It does work. We can't recommend it. <laughs> no, no, definitely. Definitely not on this radio station. No, we can't. 
But it gets when you uh, heave to, it gets quiet, which in my experience in a storm is a precious thing. Let's take the movie The Perfect Storm, for instance. Um, I thought they did great with the fishermen, but I didn't think they got the storm really good on the uh, in the film. And one reason, of course, Hollywood does it uh, in a storm. The characters need to talk, so it gets quiet, you know. But it doesn't get quiet in a storm, and and the you know that's the problem with them most time. But you heave to, there you are. Nicomas, uh, did uh, have you been offshore, done some deliveries? You yeah, I've been from most everywhere. From, I've been everywhere from I don't know about. St. John, Newfoundland to, uh, oh, Honduras. I don't know, maybe even further south in the, in the mm-hmm. islands, but been been around, been back and forth in the Caribbean a few times and, and been north some. And, and the boat that I own and, and cruise up here now is a, a 48-foot uh, Paul Luke-built Winthrop Warner design. So it's pretty, ni- pretty nice. Excellent. 20, 20 tons of wood under you, 39 feet on the water line. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're on something solid and... It's a great, great cruising boat. I got us the, the the last time I was down to the Caribbean was on a hundred and forty foot, a younger, and and uh, that was a was pretty comfortable, really. You know, you're crossing the Gulf Stream. We went down late in November, and we'd made snowmen on the deck up in Booth Bay, and then yeah. went to Boston, picked the owner up just after Thanksgiving, and you know, we got into the, uh, some really nasty weather, and and to have a to be sitting in the wheelhouse, drinking a hot cup of coffee, and looking at you know, another 120 feet of bow in front of the wheelhouse is a pretty nice thing. Yeah, that's styling. I I admire that, man. I keep looking. I do all sailboat deliveries. I've never done a good powerboat delivery yet. Well, I keep was saying a sailboat. This was it was a it was a catch. Oh, I understand, but well, yeah. with a nice big pilot house, yeah, oh, right. indoor pilot right. house. But what I keep asking for is a steering wheel with a couch and a TV right behind it. You know, that's yeah. what I want—a nice big powerboat with a walk-in freezer inside. I haven't got it yet. Excellent yeah. style points. Love the snowman too. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a good trip. And- so taking some pictures, you've uh, Points East is a local nautical uh, uh, magazine that's uh, distributed free around here. Yeah, a good good publication. I also had a, a thing from from that trip down south on on, on Islandia on the Ungert. Um, you might have even seen it there, and it was in in, in the reach for a while this summer. Um, you can't really, can't really miss it stick sticking up there. Mm-hmm. But um, anyways, I had a little thing in Cruising World too. Uh, been doing. I've got had a few things in blue water sailing. I used to have a little 32 foot Lauren Coster that I sailed around here in the winter a bit on. And so, you. I say are also demonstrating another good marine uh, principle. You've got your finger in more than a couple of. Uh, uh, holes there, don't pies. I was going to say, I was, you know, you've uh, you got a couple of marine things going on there. You've uh, spread it out so you can uh, work at a bunch of different things and still be around the water, right? Yeah, well, I work as a as a private captain here in the summer for a man that that comes comes here from from overseas and, and summers on on an island near Islesboro, and and I do deliveries and I you know occasionally will go south on a boat for a winter and charter my own boat. You know, I've got got a hundred ton. Uh, near coastal ticket, so it's nothing too big, but it's enough to get a foot in the door with, with a few things. You've got? Do you have a good owner? I do. That's uh, what in the boat trade. That's what we call the fellow who uh, owns the boat and, so to speak, owns Nokomis. Uh, you know, we do you, the owner, the owner. That's all. <laughs> so you have a good owner. He's a good guy. He, uh, you know, he's he's like any boat owner. Sometimes you got to wonder what they're thinking. He. <laughs> and then you tell them what you think, and then and you, you go, yes, sir, we'll do what you asked. 
Well, that would exactly. include us, you know, too. Like, what gets me sometimes is some of these people that, you know, get so caught up in aesthetics that, you know, you just spend twice as much money doing a perfect varnish job when really the boat needs to be rewired, but you don't see the wires. And he says, looks at you and says, well, they work, don't they? And, you know, yeah, they do now, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Nakoma, glad to talk to you this morning. Uh, yeah, thanks for good the good enough. advice. The phone's ringing. And, well, I'll let you uh, get to it then. Yeah. All right. Good talking to you. Later. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah. Sounds like right. our friend Michael from down to Stonington. Yeah. Actually, I was interested to hear your last caller because um, his, his boat I had at my yard for a couple of years before he bought it. And uh, it's a very interesting old boat. I, I did a couple of repairs on the stern post and stuff. I, I'd be very interested to talk to him myself sometime. Yeah, but, well, um, that can be easily arranged. You're not yeah. only neighbors on the radio, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's a fantastic old boat, and uh, I, I, I really, everybody who came here was very impressed with the thing, so, um, and he sounds like a very deserving owner, and there's nothing better than getting a great old wooden boat put uh, put together with a guy who, uh, who knows it and uh, uses it. So, hey, a couple of comments on plywood. I, um, actually, not my favorite material, but um, uh, I, had a, I had a friend years ago who was doing a very important restoration on a, um, on a very important boat, a wooden boat, and, and um, uh, he tested all kinds of plywood. He actually took chunks of it and literally cut it up and boiled it, you know, sort of boiled it for a week, mm-hmm. see what happened to different varieties. And... Um, now, I'm not advocating that you just go out and buy your, you know, your average uh, three-quarter three inch uh, uh, Luan exterior plywood, but, um, and especially now because things are different. This is close to 20 years ago, and you've got to know where it comes from and how good it is. But it really does bear um, looking at you. You, you know, you can, you can find some really good exterior-grade Luan plywood that's, you know, got very good face and uh, good exterior glue. I, I really think, though, the most important part that anybody who's, who's working with plywood in a, in a boat should remember is that, firstly, I'm a believer in sealing all of the end grain wherever, wherever it's going to have Plywood any or not. Yeah. Pl- end, yes. End grain is everywhere on plywood. End grain is everywhere. And, and it, you can have the most expensive plywood in the world. And if you get water into that end grain, in the middle of that plywood, it's going to suck it up like a sponge, and now you've got wet wood that's bounded either side by a layer of waterproof glue, and it is not going to give up that water with anything like the rapidity that it took it up. Right. Yeah. And um, so the most important thing with plywood is that wherever you, wherever you have end grain, you should seal it, and, and, uh, and, of course, wherever you penetrate it, you've got to make sure that, that what goes through it, it you know, does not allow any water into the stuff. So, hang on one second. I'll be right with you. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and the last thing, I, I, I just got a guy uh, come here. I've got to, I've got to go. But, um, Mike, we've got, we got to get you off this lubberly language. This, of? You know, there are only three. <laughs> what did I say? There are only three ropes aboard a sailing vessel. Yeah. And and one of those is only aboard a square rig vessel. Gotcha. I, I hear what you're saying. So you, lines, you know, ropes. We got to get to lines. Yeah, yeah. Bell rope, boat rope, and foot rope. That's yeah. the only three ropes. <laughs> gotcha. I can ring a bell. 
<laughs> I wish you could stay for a minute because you're just talking about exactly our subject this morning. We also I, just got a uh, a notice from Nokomis. Yeah, what's that say, Alan? It says call back for Nokomis's number. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I will, but I I've, I've got to go. I got a guy waiting on me. Yeah. And, All right. and uh, I I'd love to. Um, uh, I, I'd love to continue this. It, it's a favorite subject of mine, plywood, actually, and, and although it's not my favorite material, as I say, and uh, it's um, if you want to make it last, you've really got to work at it. So, well, the phone is ringing here this morning, and if I could interject this just uh, before we answer this phone call, uh, what you said was really interesting, talking about uh, finding, uh, you know, possibly not a marine grade plywood and treating it right. Um, that's a material decision. And, uh, you know, when do you settle for different materials when you're, when you're uh, cheap, for instance, or yep. thrifty, as I like to say? Yeah. I'm finding a lot of stuff in the uh, uh, building supply store. They make now polyurethane uh, uh, sealants for houses. Yes. That's yes. right. I call it house goo. And, yeah. yeah, I bet everything on, on houses myself. And I've been using that stuff on boats because it costs $5 a tube, not 15 yeah. And well, in I, certain... I, I, I put exterior grade um, Luan plywood for a main bulkhead in my Alden cutter, you know, 20 some odd years ago. And mind you, I sealed it with coat after coat of epoxy. But I mean, it sits down in the bilge and it's as good as the day I put it in. And uh, so it, it, it can work for you. You don't have to pay $150, $200 a sheet if, you, if, if you're careful. Don't, but you, sometimes the extra material will pay uh, rewards. I also made a nice mahogany combing. I have some mahogany veneer. I laminated it, Michael, with home construction adhesive, the waterproof polyurethane construction adhesive, a mahogany combing. And uh, so far, so good, you know. And it yeah, doesn't matter yeah. if it falls apart because I can build another one. But again, <laughs> did I just waste my time doing that? Because I also slammed it together in less than 10 hours. The combing's on crooked. The, the Luan deck has already started to delaminate. I haven't even trimmed it to the shear yet, and the, it's covered with duct tape where it uh, meets other pieces, you know. And, but I've been out there paddling since October 1st. We should have a picture of this one, And too. where is the, you know, is that a waste of my time not to have taken better stuff and used and, and taken a little bit more time, see? Quality well, uh, decision. You have to weigh those things, don't exactly. you? Exactly. But being out there paddling is what's the most important. And I was, and I've been grinning my ass off, and, uh, but it's not perfect. But there's somewhere between slam, bam, uh, quick and dirty to perfect that you need to make judgments. A, a happy medium. Yeah, that's, I thought, yeah. what we talked about. We didn't get to a lot, but you've got to go, and we got somebody on the phone, and there we are. All right, I'll call you back later, and we'll get uh, Nokomis' number somehow. Okay. Yep. Any, right. Anytime. Thank Michael you, is one of the usual suspects around Boat Talk. He owns his own boat yard down at the end of uh, uh, Deer Island down to uh, down the southern uh, Stonington, Maine. Yeah. Well, you're next on Boat Talk. Good morning. Morning. David here. Um, Hi, David. I, I'm coming at this from a carpenter's point of view, but like you, you guys are going to catch, especially this part of the show, because you're my proving grounds. And um, Luan. I have been using Luan uh, as an exterior sheathing on a couple of little cabins I've been playing around with here. Mm-hmm. And um, it has worked really well. Uh, I used it on a roof on top of that, on the chicken house, and it didn't work so well. Uh, roof was pushing it a little too far. But, a moisture but, issue? Chickens well, are pretty moist things, you know? Well, moisture, and plus which I... I uh, painted the thing, you know, and I, I left a piece of the same stuff lying around in the uh, snow for a year and a half. It's been kicking around. I watch it. No paint on it and no delamination whatsoever. 
So I'm suspicioning that perhaps by painting this stuff, I might have helped seal that dangerous moisture in there. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm shingling the roof right now. But uh, uh, sidewalls is good, and it's cheap, and you got to make sure where you get it. You can't get your cheapest Luan. Uh, you got to, you know, question the, the buyer if you can get a hold of him and uh, find out whether it's quality exterior glue that's in there or not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it isn't. Here's another issue, David, I find interesting. Um, sometimes I think you have to plan for potential use. So let's imagine your chicken house. Uh, it's used by chickens, but pretty much sits there. Um, a boat goes places, and, and sometimes yeah. uh, you know people do weird things to them. Yeah. Just building porches, for instance, uh, steps. I say to myself, well, that's safe. And then I watched a lady one day in spike heels walk up a porch I'd made. I like to leave good spaces between the boards so they drain. <laughs> oh. And I watched that lady with spike heels go up that porch. I thought, I thought I'd never see that on a porch I built. That's not safe, you know. Potential yeah. use always has yeah. to be figured in. Yeah. And for a boat, you never know when it's going to be stored wrong for a year with the bilge full of water. You that's know? right. You won't plan on that, but it might happen. And that's when it's good to have the good stuff down yeah. there. And you get to seal the edges. I've been, I've been putting Gorilla Glue on uh, all the edges. I dilute it. Polyurethane, once again. What do you dilute yep. it with? Uh, anything handy, kerosene, turpentine. It doesn't, it doesn't stay diluted, you know, but it, it makes it thin. I called the manufacturer. I said, what can I dilute this stuff with? And, and they said, there isn't anything. Heat it up. So uh, mm. heating it up dilutes it quite a bit, too. But I like to put something in it. To thin it out, you know, just until it starts setting up, I think it carries it in there a little bit further. He's talking about Gorilla Glue, which is a polyurethane glue, and the other home uh, um, building supply center things that I was talking about, too, the uh, door and window sealant, for instance, are, and the uh, construction adhesive, again, are polyurethanes. That's what your Sikaflex in your 5200 boat sealants are made out of, and, and that's the stuff, your polyurethanes, that's good chemistry. Yeah. Well, thanks for the show. David, we're so glad you called this morning. We're uh, within a couple minutes of the end of Boat Talk here. I'm confused if there's somebody sitting by on the phone or not. I guess not. Nope. Amy, take calls as they're going now. Again, we had theme issue. Theme music issues here this morning about copyright permission to post it up on the web and stuff. And not to, not to panic, Amy, we will not sing the Boat Talk theme on the way out, but I considered it for a minute. And if we have to next time, we will. We may. Uh, we're not that shy. That's, I guess, why we're able to come here and do this anyway. The phone is ringing again. We've dedicated this whole uh, show more or less to uh, Gladys Butler, Farnham Butler's wife. She, uh, like I say, came to the boatyard, met a boat builder, and it, you know had an adventurous uh, life after that, and sort of like the Kevin Costner movie, yeah. so to speak, and it could happen to anybody, too. It's so. quality life there, yeah. too, another quality thing. We do have one more phone call. Let's see if we can quickly get to this one. Good hey. morning. Bo- Welcome to Trouble Bo- again. Oh. That was nice of Nicole to call back and uh, give some. I didn't quite get the name of the, Is it Nordic Poke Boat? Folk. F-O-L-K. Folk. Yeah, a uh, Norwegian kind of design. F-O-L-K or F-O-L-K-E, maybe. I'm halfway Norwegian. I get it. Often a lap strake, if it's uh, built wooden, often those are lap strake boats, and uh, I uh, wouldn't be surprised if it was double-ended either. Yeah, the real deal stuff. How about yeah. spare sails and storm sails? Can't have enough. Can't have enough. Yeah. And there's yep. lots of old ones sitting around, too. That's right. my experience. A lot yeah. of I love sails sitting around. Go online and 
and get those. Or um, poking around in boatyards. Uh, sometimes okay. they got a pile of stuff that they like to get rid of, if, uh, but you got to approach that just right. Sure. You can't go in there going, you don't know me, give me some stuff. <laughs> you know, That's not the way to do it. you got to go in and kind of make friends first and then yeah. get to that. You know, I understand. My advice. Yeah. And, and what was the name? Was it North Sales that has the book? Yes. North Sales has a uh, wonderful, uh, I think they call it the North Sales course. Course? Uh, yeah, or North U. Uh, North Sales University, uh, and again, when they sell you a set of sales, they give you this uh, sailing manual with it, which is very, very well done, I think. Excellent. Yeah. And is it practicalsailor.org? I bet it is. Practical Sailor is a magazine, a small yep. little, uh, you know, it comes out uh, bi-monthly. It's a small printed uh, sheet, and uh, I, I'd be amazed if they didn't have a website. So yeah. org. Yes. Yep. One of the two. Okay. Phone's yep. ringing. Amy says we're in the corner. Uh, Thanks, Out of Thank time. You. And I guess another successful edition of Boat Talk. We more or less uh, we can, we got near the subject. Two hours. Well, <laughs> it gets easy when you're talking about boats. And once again, we got our own website now. That's BoatTalk.org. It's just uh, not much there, but it's coming. So... Can't wait to see what happens. Don't know what that theme music noise is, but we're, we'll, we'll, you know. <laughs> it's our theme music. It's all right. We'll sing next week, perhaps, next month. Boat Talk is heard the second Tuesday of every month. They're archived online at weru.org and at the Boat Talk uh, place, too. Yep. Yeah. Boattalk.org. So that's it. Stay tuned for Jim Bahoosh coming up next with On the Wing here on Community Radio. Live music this morning. Uh, Tree by Leaf is in to play live. Tree by Leaf is coming in too. Here at Community Radio, WERU FM, Blue Hill 89.9, 102.9 in Bangor.